swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Joining me now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, she covers the Red Sox for the Athletic. It's Jen McCaffrey. You can follow her on Twitter at JC McCaffrey. Jen, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going? Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Now, Jen, the Red Sox currently in Anaheim tonight, taking on the Angels, who are in the midst of a, a 14-game losing streak. Before we get into the Red Sox and just the road that they've taken to get to where they are at this point in the season, I got to know, were you in the stadium last night for the Nickelback walk-up songs that the Angels had? And, and when did it dawn on you that this was going to be the entire night? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of uh, started noticing it, but I, I didn't really know what was going on. And then I saw a tweet, I think, uh, from Alden Gonzalez uh, saying that the Angels had decided to do it to try to switch things up. I don't know that that's the route you want to go, but uh, it obviously didn't work. And, uh, yeah, they're still still searching for it. So it was a little, <laughs> yeah, it was a, definitely a different, uh, a different uh, approach to things. But uh, I guess I don't know what they'll do tonight to see if they can get it get over the hump yeah i know but boy they, they've exhausted all options if they're going to nickelback at that point um but jen for as cold as the angels have been the red sox have been one of the hotter teams in baseball over the last month and a half right now they are 30 and 27 holding down the final wild card spot in the american league what has been the biggest factor in why they have been able to turn things around after that rough april yeah, they had uh, virtually no offense at, like, at all in April um, and really kind of turned a, uh, turned a corner when they took a trip to uh, it was Atlanta and Texas um, early in May, like the second week of May, and really kind of hit a groove there. Um, they kind of just found their rhythm, and I think, you know, um, it was a weird start to the season for them with Trevor's story kind of coming in so late and not really having much time to kind of get adjusted to things and I think things snowballed a little bit on them in, in the beginning of the year, um, but really the offense uh, has has been one of the best offenses in baseball over the past six to eight weeks and uh, six seven weeks really, and 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 it's, that's been the biggest key for them is that it has allowed their um, their pitchers to just not have as much you know uh, not need to be as fine, not need to be you know as perfect on the mound because the offense is really. Uh, been able to to take off, and um, that said, though the the rotation has been very consistent and uh, and very good, um, and they've been getting a lot out of them. So the shortcomings that the Red Sox have in the bullpen, um, you know, can be made up for with the offense, the way they've been hitting, and, and the rotation starting to go a little bit deeper in games. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of they they've sort of found a rhythm on a lot of those fronts um, over the past month or so. One player's production who kind of mirrors how the Red Sox season has gone is Trevor Story, their big offseason acquisition who's playing second base for the Red Sox right now. Uh, was a shortstop for his entire career with the Colorado Rockies, uh, but was really ice cold in the month of April. And then that series against the Mariners where the Red Sox swept Seattle in four games. Story hit, I believe, what, five home runs in that series. Just was had a monster, monster series. Had a monster month of May. How do you view that signing now that he's producing at more of a normal clip that we've come to expect from him? 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously, especially in Boston, there was, uh, you know, some angst about whether or not he was worth the signing and all that. And really, honestly, it was it was a month or so that uh, people were freaking out over. And, you know, that's not uncommon in, 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 in the Boston area to overreact to, to things of a small sample size. But um, but yeah, he he had a crazy, uh, you know, kind of month there. He signed at the very end of May, had like five spring training games. His wife had their first baby. So he missed time for that. And then he got food poisoning and he was transitioning to a new team, a new position. So you kind of understood uh, that he was going to need a little time to kind of get into a rhythm and obviously playing in a totally new park, you know, a different area of the country, all new teams. It was kind of a lot on his plate. So even the fact that he turned it around in a month is almost impressive. Um, it looked really bad, you know, in those first few weeks, but you could kind of understand why, you know, uh, he didn't have a rhythm because there was just so much going on for him. So, yeah, I think at this point um, he's found a groove at the plate and, has been hitting pretty well, um, you know, not, not as hot as he was in that Seattle series, but still much more consistent than he was in the in the first uh, first month of the season, and that that's really helped kind of the middle of the order and taken some pressure off of uh, you know Xander Bogarts, Raphael Devers, and JD Martinez, and kind of added you know that fourth big bat in the middle of the lineup to kind of keep things moving. So so yeah, um, I think this is more of what we expected and. You know, I think there was some panic uh, early in the season, but uh, you, like I said, kind of could give him a little leeway there just knowing all that he, he kind of went through and the fact that he, he's been able to turn around here uh, kind of, I, yeah, I think kind of speaks to the kind of player that he is. Jen McCaffrey of The Athletics, she covers the Red Sox for them, joining us on Extra Innings here this evening. And Jen, getting back to the pitching staff, which has really helped carry this Red Sox team ever since their slow start this season, especially starting pitching. I want to look at Michael Waka, who has been a bit of a revelation for Boston's rotation, really after a number of average to below average years that he had between St. Louis and Tampa Bay. And there were you know, just a couple of years where his ERA was above five, above six, just didn't look like that pitcher that he was in, in his younger days with the Cardinals during their heyday. How have they been able to unlock these kinds of starts and these kinds of numbers from him? Yeah, they, you know, kind of pinpointed a few things that they saw uh, that he could maybe try uh, better when he was with, uh, they faced him, I think, late in the year against Tampa and and noticed a few things that they liked about him, but that he wasn't necessarily doing. Um, And so approached him in the offseason and kind of laid out the the map of how they thought he could, he could be better. Um, And it's kind of taken off for him. Yeah, he's, he's, I don't think anybody expected anything remotely close to what he's been able to do for them. Uh, here and has just been very consistent and a, and a you know right up there with Nathan Valdi and Nick Pavetta kind of anchoring the the rotation here. Um, another veteran voice in the mix, um, you know, to kind of help Garrett Whitlock, who's kind of entering, um, you know, the rotation and kind of trying to figure things out as a starter. And even a guy like Tanner Houck, who's in the bullpen, but also you know has started and can start and, and probably will get some more starts at some point this year, just given the way that they. They um, they kind of set up their their pitching staff. So yeah, he's been he's been really big for them, and he's been able to kind of um, I wouldn't say necessarily resurrect his career, but just kind of turn things around a little bit, and and um, definitely uh, has been a, a big key for them this year. You mentioned Garrett Whitlock, who was it was just incredible out of the bullpen a year ago. This year they've moved him to the starting rotation. How would you? wager how that's going right now uh you know he's got the two and one record a three five one era in nine games started uh do the red sox 
feel more comfortable with him in the rotation, or or is this something that maybe one day we'll see him back in the bullpen, considering just how eye popping his numbers were a year ago? Yeah, um, you know, so he kind of he came up, you know, in the minors as a starter. He was always supposed to be a starter, and then obviously, you know, the pandemic happened. He had Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, he's the Rule Five draft pick, and you know, didn't pitch at all. Uh, in the in the 2020 season the minor league shutdown season so part of the reason they moved into the bullpen was to kind of get him back into the mix and to keep him on their roster because he hadn't pitched in over a year and they needed you know as a rule five draftee to to keep him on the active roster and then the fact that he kind of took off in that role they just left him there so i think the intent was always when they picked him up uh, from the yankees in the rule five draft to um you know see what his potential could be as a major league starter because he was fairly successful in the role as a minor leaguer um, and they wanted to kind of give him that runway and obviously you know it hasn't gone as as smoothly as he you know uh, was able to produce in, in the in the rotation uh, I mean in the bullpen but um, I think you're that's almost to be expected you know those shorter stints in the bullpen you can kind of bring your all and kind of attack guys uh, you know in a very pointed way whereas in a rotation you're kind of uh you know flipping over the lineup seeing guys multiple times they have more time to prepare for you because they know when you're coming in so yeah it's been a learning process for him and Cora's talked a lot about that um and you know pitching coach Dave Bush too of just how they've been trying to you know help him learn um how to you know uh be successful in a different way um you know than he was in the in the in the bullpen and um Chris Sale and James Paxton are you know kind of um, not close to returning by any means, but, you know, on the horizon. Um, so uh, maybe within the next month or so, um, we could start to see especially sale um, back in the mix. So I'm not sure what that'll mean for Whitlock. The, we've asked a few different times and they won't really say what the plan is, but, uh, but could it mean that, you know, Whitlock moves back to the, to the bullpen when one of those guys returns? Yeah probably maybe you know uh, we'll have to kind of see where it goes but I think they really do want to kind of see what what he can do a little bit more in the rotation and, and um, just kind of give him that chance to to be a guy um, that that can fill in a spot there and, and see what he can do for them. Jen last one from me uh, the Red Sox have an interesting free agency decision to make on Xander Bogarts heading into this upcoming offseason they signed Trevor Story this previous offseason and he's got plenty of experience at shortstop Bogarts has meant a ton to the Red Sox organization in his nearly decade uh, manning that position for them how do you expect the Red Sox to handle that situation and and do you think this could potentially be Bogarts's final season in Boston yeah that's kind of the number one question everyone's had all year Um, we don't know (laughs) Um, it's it's kind of uh, you know one of the things that's been looming over over the the team all year of how you know or when they weren't doing well early in the year it was or you know in that first month was the storyline was you know is he going to get traded by the middle of the season because they um you know aren't sure if they're going to be able to sign him he has an opt-out at the end of the year so it's not you know it's not an automatic free agent um you know uh situation for him but um, just given the way his contract sets up and you know what he's owed and what he could could and should be getting um everyone's expecting him to take that opt out, but he also has said time and again, he wants to be here. And I think um, in a perfect world, he'd like them to give him a, you know, a big deal and stay here um, because he's just very, he's already taken, you know, a team discount in that, in that extension that he signed in 2018 or 2019. 
Um, so yeah, the other factor is that Scott Boris is his agent and Boris is going to, you know, want to get as much as he can for his client like he does with everybody. So, um, yeah, it's the big thing. That's kind of uh, the big storyline this year that everyone's sort of watching and, um, trying to figure out what, what Bogarts is going to want to do if he's going to want to take a little less to stay here, or if he's going to just end up hitting uh, free agency and taking that opt out. So, um, with story here, it obviously makes things interesting stories that he's, you know, here to play second base, but obviously, you know, things can change in the future. The Red Sox have some shortstop prospects, you know, a couple years down the line. So do they want to sign Bogarts for a long-term deal? It's, there's a lot of factors here and um, it's definitely going to be something that we're going to be talking about, you know, all throughout the rest of the season and into the, the, into the winter. Not a bad problem to have. Uh, which all-star do you want playing shortstop next season for you? She is Jen McCaffrey. She's a Red Sox beat writer for The Athletic. You can follow her on Twitter at JC McCaffrey. Jen, really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule. Uh, have a great time this weekend, and, and thanks again for, for joining us. Yep, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Still to come, an hour or two of extra innings. We will take a listen to the conversation that Jake Heaps and myself had with Mariners pitching coach Pete Woodworth. Also, we will run through all the biggest headlines on this Thursday night in Major League Baseball with some pepper to round out hour two. But up next, ESPN baseball insider Jeff Passan. He joined Mike Salky yesterday on Seattle Sports. We will take a listen to the best of that conversation. This is Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. If you've missed any portion of Extra Innings tonight, make sure you're downloading the podcast at seattlesports.com. Also, it is available wherever it is you download your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. I'm Curtis Rogers. Really appreciate you making this part of your Thursday evening tonight. We are with you every single Mariners scheduled off day during the 2022 season, so we'll have plenty more opportunities to chat about this team over the course of the rest of the Mariners season. But one of the special treats during the week on Seattle Sports, ESPN baseball insider Jeff Passan joins Mike Salk every Wednesday at 7.30 a.m. to talk about the world of baseball, to talk about this very Mariners team that you watch every single day in and day out. But first off, what did Passon think of the craziness down in Anaheim this week after they fired manager Joe Madden? They're in the midst of a now 14-game losing streak. And then also, what does he think the Mariners need to add this season in order to get back to 500 and to build off of that even further? Let's take a listen. I think one of the reasons that they lost 12 in a row was because just move by move, he wasn't managing particularly well and part of that from the impression that i've gotten from people with whom i've spoken is that he was a much more gut and much less analytics oriented manager and and for some you know some people are going to hear that and herald that right they're going to be like good we need more of that in baseball the nerds took over and it sucks and that sentiment is you know, it's it's unfair, I think, but it's pretty prevalent. Um, but but the reality is, if you're going to be a manager in Major League Baseball in 2022, Mike, then you better be ready to implement what the front office is telling you to. Because if not, uh, number one, you're 
probably going to be disadvantaged because the other teams are doing it. Number two, you're probably not going to have a job very long. Mm-hmm. Do you also need to be prepared to charge out and uh, lead lead the fight in uh, in a little brouhaha? Is that part of managing in 2022 as well? He's a little salty, wasn't he? Uh, he was. I mean, we've seen Scott. I've I love Scott. I'm a big Scott fan. But I've mentioned before one of the one of the things he's not great at is getting thrown out of games. Like it never really looks that real. It always like, oh yeah, Scott's trying to get thrown out. Okay. He was legit <laughs> mad on Monday night. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say this time. Now that looked that looked very real. Oh like yeah, he. It was almost like a general leading the charge. Like, come on, boys, let's go out and you know, like, I'm not allowed to say it, but right. you know what? Um, and you know, I listen as as poorly and uh as dis- as poorly as the season has gone as disappointing as it is i appreciate that he still got fight in him you know i i think i think guys do too and that there is a there's a very fine line between fighting for your team and just faking it and it, as as a manager every day you need to sort of monitor that line and i think some guys have better feel for it than others. I don't know where Scott Services is right now, uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, how the clubhouse is feeling about him at this point. Because remember, like, after after last year, um, at the beginning of the season, just the, the lack of trust in, in mm-hmm. the entire management infrastructure of the organization, um, they, they really made gains during the season and, and won points. Um, after the great start and the the struggles following that this year, uh, you know, taking the temperature in that place, it, it it would be very interesting to see where they are and how something like that rates with the players. Actually, rates with them, not what they're what they're talking about publicly. But yeah. if they, you know, if if the buy in is actually there more than it's been in the past. And and here's the thing: when when you got a guy who's willing to go out and fight for you, you feel like you want to fight for him too. Yeah, I, I would agree with with all of that. And, you know, obviously, just from an entertainment standpoint, watching the game, it certainly made it a lot more fun. I don't know what Dusty Baker was talking about afterwards. I know Dusty gets a lot of credit, but listening to him after the game talking about, oh, well, if there's a DH, this wouldn't happen. Like, dude, that's a reliever. What That guy would normally be hitting in the old National League. Like, what's Dusty talking about? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a perfect answer. I, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, here's the thing about Dusty. Like, I just give I give Dusty plenty of leeway. Dusty's been around doing this for a long, long time, and uh, Dusty is, you know, D- Dusty Dusty's head uh, sometimes is is in the clouds a little bit, and I love that about him. Mm. I, I find that to be one of his. Frankly, uh, one of his his greater qualities that there, there's a little bit of mysticism about him, and that means sometimes when he says stuff, it's not going to make sense, and you just come to accept it. That's okay. <laughs> you know, you, dusty. you you mentioned Scott still fighting for his team. I mean, after that game, it's now they've they've lost a game in the standing since. But after winning Monday yeah. night, they were two and a half out of the wild card for for the American uh, League. I wasn't going to say it. I mean, <laughs> you don't want to curse anything. Card. Also, also the wild card in the American League is a tire fire at this point. Yes. And so, but um, let, let's remember who's holding the last wild card in the AL right now, Mike. 
uh, Boston. So, yeah, it's the Red Sox, and they've won six in a row, and they look like uh, – they don't look quite like the team that we thought they were going to, but their starting pitching has been unbelievable, and – uh, and they're playing the Angels, so of course they're going to keep winning. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to see them here actually starting Friday for a series as well. We're looking forward to that. My favorite part of that the little of the little dust up the other night uh, was after it was done, and Julio Rodriguez comes up, one run game, man on first, and yeah. just talk about a sense for him the moment. I mean, like, uh, does that does that just give you like a little look into the future of what Julio could look like in some really big spots? No. No, 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 no. Here's you no. Know, here's what gives me a look into the future of what Julio will look like: a 21 year old in the middle of a scrap separating people. Have you ever seen a 21 year old in the middle of a benches clearing incident be the one who's separating uh, the like one of the main people? I guess I don't know. I, I don't know that I know the answer to that. Is that is that rare? The answer is the answer is the answer. Oh my God, yes. No, that's that's usually. The the thirty five year old guy who's been around forever. Well, the Mariners don't have any of those guys. Uh, okay, fine. they literally yeah, don't have a player over thirty one out there on their roster right now, other than Sergio okay, Romo fine. in their bullpen. Yeah, well, Sergio Romo. Well, Sergio Romo quite often <laughs> in the middle of so, so, no, but Sergio Sergio can Sergio can be a very peaceful guy as well. My point is. Uh, Kids don't get involved with that because they don't command the respect. Hmm. Um, whether whether Julio does or not, the fact that he believes he does says you need to know. This is everything you need to know about him. Much more than an opposite field late inning home run. No, I think there will be more opposite field late inning home runs. He's awesome. He's everything that I think he's more frankly than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be a really good power hitter. I did not think he was going to be a center fielder. I did not think he was going to lead the big leagues in stolen bases. He's everything. And and a, like a good human, seemingly, on top of that. Yeah, he, I, mean, I would agree with that. And he's, like by the, the way, not just a good like, power hitter. He's like a good hitter. hitter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair to say best talent to come up with the Mariners since junior? Well, A Rod's come up. A Rod's come up since June. Ah, fair point. Fair right? point. Fair point. Uh, and Felix that's, as well. But 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 you put him in that category. Certainly, I mean, it's been interesting seeing some of the comps around here. His first, however many games in the big leagues versus Junior versus A Rod, et cetera. And you know, he's right there with them. Yeah, I mean, he's real. Nice to finally absolutely hit on one, and yeah. you know. As as Kellamic languishes, um, and as Evan White, you know the dollars go away. You want like that's that's one you want to nail, and and I you know I, I suppose they nailed Gilbert too, and I think they're going to nail Kirby. So that's like that's three foundational pieces right there. You just you know you wish there was another bat to go along with it right now. That would just go such a long way for this team. Can Ty France be that bat? Uh, yeah, I, but but I mean, in addition to France and Julia, mm-hmm. like the, it, right now, right now, who would you say that the foundational pieces are? It's it's Julio, it's France, it's JP. Like, 
I mean, who else there do you see as someone who's going to be here a few years down the road? Yeah, I think from a from positional players, that's probably it. And if Kyle Lewis could stay healthy, yeah. I think we'd have that conversation. But unfortunately, yeah. you know, I can't I can't say that today. Yeah, it hasn't happened quite yet, but could be Kyle Lewis. Um, there's, you know, uh, one more guy. That's that's where you you go out and spend the money, right? Go out and get the bat. And and I know the the money spent this off season hasn't really paid off to this point. So there's always peril in doing so. Like you really hope you got to get that one right. But uh, they they need another bat. You know it's funny. It's funny, but this team is as despite whatever sort of major issues and holes you would find like that. If they just were getting better bullpen, better relief work yeah. right now, they would be just fine. <laughs> what does that market look pen, like? If they, if they had eight Penn Murphys, they would be fantastic. <laughs> what is what does the reliever market look like this year? Uh, the left-handed reliever market is the worst. Are, are you talking free agent or trade? Trades. Uh, guys you could bring in during this year. Yeah. The left-handed relief market is possibly the worst thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I, I'm being dead serious here. You know, the best one was going to be Matt Strom from the Red Sox. They're not moving now. The second best one was going to be Justin Wilson from the Reds. He just had time of John surgery. There are no left-handed relievers. None. I, I mean, it's it's really a dire situation. Like, me, I mean, do you want to go out and trade for Roldis Chapman? Did, like, the Yankees might move him? No, not really. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, there's not much. Uh, right-handed relief, uh, it's, it's not a whole lot better. I, it, you know... I, I offer this possibility for for all teams that need a bat and need some relief pitching. Kansas City should be selling because they're awful, and part of that sale should be Andrew Benintendi, Scott Barlow, and Josh Stamon, two power right-handed relievers, both with closing experience, and Benintendi hitting well over 300 is a free agent bat to be and left-handed, and so balances out lineups, uh, plays gold glove defense in left field. You know, Kansas City should do really well trading hmm. those guys. And, and they fit Toronto, they fit Seattle, they fit a lot of places. It is wild to think that we are less than two months away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline, July 31st. Heck, we're just about a month and a half away from that. Mariners fans... Always looking for who this team can add, and we know Jerry DePoto is never one to shy away from a trade. But coming up next here on Extra Innings, we have got still plenty to get to. Pete Woodworth, Mariners pitching coach, he joined myself and Jake Heaps on Wednesday on Seattle Sports. Let's take a listen to that conversation and some really cool nuggets he had on Mariners, yeah, I'll say it, ace Logan Gilbert. That's coming your way next. This is Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Here comes the 2-2. Swing and a miss. He blew it by him at 97. Right on by McCormick as he swings through. Logan Gilbert has retired 11 in a row, and he has kept the Astros scoreless through seven. A brilliant night for Logan Gilbert. Zeros on the board for the Astros. We move along to the bottom of the seventh as the crowd stands for Logan Gilbert. I would say at the very top of the list of 
best things to happen to the Mariners in 2022 is the step forward, the multiple steps forward that Logan Gilbert has taken atop the Mariners rotation. He has been not just the best pitcher on the Mariners pitching staff, who Jake Heaps and I dubbed earlier this week as the ace of the staff. He's been one of the best starting pitchers in the American League, obviously winning American League Pitcher of the Month in the month of April, and he has continued that stretch ever since. And last night we saw him pick up the win, his sixth win of the season, moving to 6-2. and two. He's got an ERA about 2.4 right now and really leading the charge for this Mariners pitching staff. And i got to be honest, if he is not in L.A. for the All-Star game this season – uh, I think that would be a sh- a travesty, a sham, and a mockery, a travesty mockery uh, of the voting process or of the American League All-Star Team selection process, which Dusty Baker is in charge of, which, look, he's the Astros manager. There might be a little bit of bad blood between the two sides after this week, but look, do the right thing, put Logan Gilbert in the All-Star game. And a guy who has had a hand in Gilbert's success, whether he would admit it or not, is Mariners pitching coach Pete Woodworth, who has been there every step of the way for Gilbert, really even in the minor leagues, as Woodworth was Gilbert's double-A pitching coach in double-A Arkansas, and, and now he's up with the Mariners as their pitching coach. What has what is Woodworth noticed about Gilbert this season that has allowed him to have so much success? What does he make of George Kirby's year coming up from the minor leagues after about a month down there? And how has this bullpen turned things around? Pete Woodworth joined myself and Jake Heaps yesterday on Seattle Sports Station. Here's the conversation. You know, we get to see the the evolution of, of Logan right, right in front of our eyes here. Um, there's uh, a lot, I don't say a lot has changed, but um, he's made a handful of adjustments in a short time um, at the big league level. Um, I think the, the biggest one is just his, his mentality and his, his attitude, his, his confidence. Um, we see that with a lot of young guys when they first come up. Um, regardless of, of what they've done in the minor leagues with what's coming out of their hand, like there's just a little bit of a, of a, of a stage that they have to, to get over and, and truly believe that their stuff is good enough day in and day out. Um, and, and Logan is, has reached that point and is now uh, in full belief and confidence in his stuff. Um, the stuff has changed a little bit. Um, he made the adjustment last year, uh, kind of the, the second half of the second half, um, to make an adjustment with the slider to, to start throwing kind of a harder, shorter one to command better. Um, and then this this off season, he came back into spring training with a, a, a much harder curveball uh, and and better feel and command of the changeup. So that kind of completed the the four pitch arsenal that he has. Couple that with you know uh, a much higher confidence and self belief and trust in his stuff. Uh, and then it was during his first start in Minnesota that. Uh, he was moving real slow on the mound. You know, first start, you want to you want to make sure you're not going too too quick. And he kind of went the opposite and was very slow. Um, and I think it was after like the second inning, first or second inning, he just picked up his tempo in between pitches and his delivery, um, and just kind of started pitching like a psycho and uh, <laughs> took off. Um, so put all that together, and there's a lot of variables of why Logan Gilbert's good, but. Um, those are kind of the main points from this year. Pete, when you look at, at what Gilbert has accomplished through his first 11 starts of the season, 
Uh, a lot of us who cover this team and, and watch them nightly, I think we would say that he's probably exceeded the expectations we had for him this season, which were high to begin with. But has he exceeded the expectations of, of you and the rest of the organization? Um, I don't think he's exceeded the expectations from from himself. And I'll put myself in that bucket with him, just being around him for the last three, four years. Um, he's never satisfied. Um, and, you know, you, you have to celebrate the, the little victories and the accomplishments that he's made and the adjustments and the success that he's having. But um, he, he's definitely not happy. Um, well, I mean, I bet he's happy, but he's not satisfied. There's always room for improvement for him. Um, and that, that's why he's special right now, and that's why he's going to continue to be uh, special in the future and, and just continue to grow and develop because um, he's never really satisfied with, with what's coming out of his hand right now and how he's execution, executing. Now, Pete, when you walk out to the mound, I've got to tell you, you've got a very serious walk. Right, you got a very serious walk and a very serious <laughs> face, and like I know what you're about to say is just going to be that hard impacting moment. Has there ever been a moment where you've had that look and you thought to yourself, "I've got to lighten this guy up. I've got to tell a joke. I've got to get this guy loose." Have you ever delivered that, or is it all business up there? Yeah, I'm. I'm not good at the the joke telling. Um, <laughs> I was I was I was hoping for I was hoping for some you know I I one liner well, one liner you know something like that. I dropped a um, I dropped a, a bear hunting analogy on Paul Seawald last year in Yankee Stadium. Nice. It was, it was Tom Murphy out there. Um, he was he was kind of pitching a, a little scared, and, and Yankee Stadium's tough, and he's up there. There's everybody's six foot eight and two hundred and sixty pounds, and right field is 12 feet away. Um, and he just, he wasn't on his, his a game of, of aggression that we're used to seeing with Paul just coming out, pumping, going right at guys. Um, and yeah, I dropped, I dropped this bear fighting analogy on him. You gotta be, you get caught in the, in the forest, um, face to face with a bear. You got two choices. You can, you can pretend that you're dead and lay down and curl into a little ball, or you can, get big and get loud and try to scare the bear off. Um, <laughs> and he ended up giving up a three-run homer to Joey Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I, put that one in, I put that one back in the bag. I'm never going to use that. Never going to get it. Has there ever been, a, you know, Pete, because I, I coach, you know, uh, quarterbacks, and, and, you know, sometimes there's things that you say that you're just like, what did I just say? Did, I hope that made sense. Is that? Is, do you ever have some of those moments? Yeah, um, we had, we had a good conversation with the catchers this off season uh, on a Zoom call talking about mountain visits and um, you know some of my my biggest regrets walking away from the mound was not walking out of there with the guy having a, a solid plan of what I'm going to do in these next three pitches. How am I going to attack this guy? Um, you know, sometimes you're just going out there to to give him a breather. Sometimes you're, you need to get him more aggressive. Sometimes you need to slow him down. Um, but the, the, the main reason is to, to simplify things and get this guy focused on what's happening right now. There's a guy in the box. What is the plan to get him out? What are the three, four pitches you're going to do it? Say it. Once you say it, the catcher says it, they hear it. Like it just becomes more and more concrete. Um, 
And I, yeah, I think that's the the biggest regret when I'm sprinting away from the mound is is we didn't we didn't really come up with a with a concrete plan. Mm. Pete, uh, last one from me. George Kirby has come up and has given you guys plenty of great starts. Uh, his command is is otherworldly for a pitcher of his age. Uh, have you ever seen a pitcher as young as him uh, be able to command the strike zone like the way he does? Uh, no. I mean, that's that's why George is good. That's why he's always been good. Um, I think that's his, his carrying trait uh, is his ability to, to command his fastball. Uh, the slider command has been exceptional up here at the big league level. Um, and, you know, so for him right now, it's it's having the, the curveball and changeup you know, just kind of get up to par with those other two pitches uh, and, and how he can command those and, and move the fastball around, um, you know, similar to to Logan. Logan had the, the big big fastball last year, and the, the secondaries were kind of a step behind, and slowly but surely we're seeing them all kind of, you know, catch up, and that's where, where George is at right now. He's got the, the plus fastball and slider command, and the, the curveball and changeup are – are the the work in progress right now for him well pete thanks for coming on and joining the show we're we're, we're, we're gonna let you go and uh let you get down to business and uh uh we're, we're rooting for you guys pulling for you hard and uh wishing you guys the best of luck thanks pete appreciate you thanks for having me one last segment to go it's how we wrap up every single edition of extra innings here on seattle sports station and the mariners radio network a little bit of pepper. Looking at some of the biggest headlines across Major League Baseball on this Thursday night. Can the Angels shake themselves of this 14-game losing streak? Also, one of the wildest intentional walks you will ever see or hear of in the game of baseball. More to come. I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners On the home of the Mariners Seattle Sports Station One last segment for you here on Extra Innings Appreciate you for stopping by Here on this Thursday evening Really, if you have made any part of your evening tonight I really appreciate you stopping by I'm Curtis Rogers With you every single off day During the Mariners 2022 season Let's get into some craziness down in Anaheim. Obviously, you know, the 14-game losing streak. That is is of old news. But let's take a look at how they tried to snap out of it last night. We spoke a little bit with Jen McCaffrey of The Athletic, who covers the Red Sox. They're down in Anaheim tonight, still finishing up that series. The Angels tried their darndest last night to break themselves to rid themselves of their 13 game losing streak unfortunately that did not happen as they lost one to nothing or rather fortunately you know what i don't mind seeing the angels going through what they're going through as they have been a thorn in the mariners side for so long but last night maybe the most desperate measure an organization has ever taken to break themselves free of a losing streak Every single Angel player that came up to bat used a Nickelback song as their walk-up music. Yes, you heard that right. Now, Ryan Roland Smith and I on the post-game show got into it, got deep into our conversation about Nickelback and just do they get, do they deserve the hate that they get? And I think we were in agreement that, you know what, if you put them on at a party, 
everybody's going to be singing along to them. You had Shohei Otani. When he came up to the dish, you had Photograph playing. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. Yeah, I, I mean, you had Otani with that. Tyler Wade, he had Saving Me, another classic. And then I believe Joe Adele had How You Remind Me. Look, it's almost 9 o'clock. We can do just about anything we want on, on radio, including playing Nickelback. A, a very interesting way to do it. Unfortunately, they could not muster up a single run for the second time in three nights. They were shut out by the Red Sox. One to nothing in the second game or the third game of that four-game series. Just looking for anything to break that losing streak. It's not going to come from the dulcet tones of Chad Kroger. I will say this, though. Shout out to the Angels for being able to differentiate between a Chad Kroger song and a Nickelback song because Hero, one of the more famous tunes sung by Chad Kroger, that's that's a solo joint of his. That was on the Spider-Man soundtrack, so it was not a Nickelback song, a, a very distinct differentiation to be made. Also in baseball today, the White Sox taking on the Dodgers from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. Top of the six, runner on second base, two outs in the inning, a 1-2 count to Trey Turner. Freddie Freeman is on second base. Tony Larusa tried to go galaxy brain here because even the announcers, Jason Benetti and Steve Stone, who were on the call for the White Sox, could not believe what they were seeing and as somebody that is seeing this for one of the first times i really can't believe it either they walked they intentionally walked trey turner with a one two count and two outs in the inning let's take a listen to the call from benetti and steve stone now wait a second they're gonna intentionally walk him on one and two yep can you explain that to me? I would think you don't want Turner to do any more damage, and you want to take advantage of the lefty-lefty. Typically, at two strikes, the league batting average is quite low. Oh, yeah. It is that. When was the last time you saw somebody intentionally walked on one and two? Doesn't happen often. Doesn't happen hardly ever. What a absurd thing to do for Tony LaRussa. I mean, you've got also guys in the stands saying, Tony, you've got two strikes on him. It makes no sense. And yeah, it made absolutely zero sense for them to face Max Muncy. And lo and behold, what do you think Max Muncy did? Well... Let's take a listen. High fly ball the other way. Pollock's going back. It's gone. Three-run home run. 
Trey Turner on intentionally with a one and two count, choosing to go Sousa Muncie, and he makes some pay with an opposite field three run shot. It's 10 5. Of course he went yard. Of course he went yard. It's Tony LaRussa. Tried to outsmart the room and walked Trey Turner with two strikes and two outs in the inning. You deserve to have that happen to you, Tony LaRusso. That was just that was some stupid managing, is what that was. It almost beats actually it does beat Joe Madden intentionally walking Corey Seeger with the bases loaded to force in a run. That made zero sense at the time. Still made zero sense today when that happened. Uh, but Tony Larusa, you got what was coming to you. Also in baseball today, the Cardinals and Rays combined to play a game that ended in 114 minutes, under two hours. They completed a nine-inning baseball game. Both teams combined for 19 strikeouts, only five total hits in the game, two walks. Each starter went at least eight innings with nine Ks strikeouts, or with nine Ks each, an absolute pitcher's duel between those two teams. 114 minutes is how long that game went. I know if Matt Nelson's listening, longtime Mariners board operator, I can only imagine how lucky he would be, how lucky he would feel if a Mariners game ended in under two hours. Miles Mikolas went eight innings, got the loss for the Cardinals, gave up just three hits and two runs. Shane McClanahan, he goes eight innings, gives up two hits, strikes out nine for the Rays as they win it two to one. G-Man Choi with the decisive home run, a two-run shot off of Mikolas in the third inning to give the Rays a 2-1 lead, which they would not relinquish. 114 minutes. That game was over before this show ends. That's right. This show is longer than that game by about six minutes. Uh, what a what a fast one between the Rays and the Cardinals today. And to wrap things up here on this Thursday night, All-Star voting is it's live, folks. You can vote up to five times per day during a 24-hour span, and voting will run through June 30th at 2 p.m. Eastern time, so 11 a.m. Pacific time on June 30th. Make sure that you're getting Ty France to the All-Star Game. Gary Hill had some wild stats today on Ty France on his Twitter account, at Gary Hill Jr., a must-follow if you're a Mariners fan. Ty France, his fan graphs war among AL first basemen. These are all sabermetrics among AL first basemen. He has been just absurd. Fan graphs war 2.3. Baseball reference war 2.9. His WRC plus of 168 is first. All three of those numbers are first among American League first basemen. And a league average of WRC plus is 100. His batting average is 327, which is second. His on-base percentage of 402, second among American League first basemen. His slugging percentage of 491 is first among AL first basemen. And then his OPS of 893 tops among all men manning the first base bag. Ty France, get him to the All-Star game. Don't even think twice about it. He is just swinging an absolutely scorching hot stick at first base. And last night, I mean, his home run gave the Mariners a lead they would not relinquish. He has been incredible with his timing this season. Let's take a listen to that one. Pitch on the way to France, swinging a drive deep to left field. Alvarez looking up, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. 
Ty France with a home run to straightaway left field, jumping on Ertiti's first pitch to him here in the top of the fourth inning, and the Mariners have the lead, 4-3. to three. And just like that baseball... We're gone as well. Make sure you're getting those all-star votes in for Ty France. Make sure you're getting them in for J.P. Crawford. Heck, even vote for Cal Raleigh. Uh, Vote for all your favorite Mariners. That's going to do it for me here tonight on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. Make sure you're downloading the podcast at seattlesports.com or wherever it is you get your podcast. We're back with you in a couple more weeks. Mariners with an 11-game homestand starting tomorrow night against the Boston Red Sox. Got a couple people to thank. Thank you to Jen McCaffrey of The Athletic for joining me. Also, Brandon Gustin, who was live in studio. This has been Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network.